It's good to laugh, is it not? I think laughter is a gift, and sometimes I think serious is all, or uh, church is all serious and business, and it's good to be serious, but I think sometimes we miss laughing together, and I think that that's important, and I love, uh, Derek, honestly, I think you do stand-up. You should try it. Isn't that a, a, a side hustle? Um, but thanks, Derek. It's good to laugh. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Aaron, uh, one of the pastors here. Uh, those online, welcome. Uh, we'd love to meet you in person. Stop by sometime. Uh, I first we have. I noticed, uh, you know, obviously with Thanksgiving, a lot of uh, students that are in college are home. If you're a student at home, would you just stand up? Come on now, don't be shy. <laughs> Keep standing. Don't sit down. I I want to say a couple things. Just it's good to see you guys. These. Uh, a lot of them are youth from our, our church that grew up in our church, and it's just good to see you guys. Welcome back. A number of them, I don't know if they were just saying this because I'm the pastor, and they were like making sure I, you know, checking in there. Hey, we're watching online every week. Like, <laughs> cool, but I mean, find a church too, wherever you're at, but this is always a place you can call home. I want to pray for you guys because we love you. God, thanks for these students standing. Bless them, watch over them, protect them. God, uh, I pray that you'd equip them to be a light um, in their worlds, and uh, we thank you for them, and continue to raise them up to be men and women of righteousness and holiness, God. We love you. We love them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here. I know it's tough to get up for a 10 a.m. service. Um, <clears throat> there's one student, though, that I'd like to bring up. Uh, Thomas Kennison, why don't you make your way up to the stage? Can we welcome Thomas together? We showed a video interview at the annual meeting with Thomas. Uh, David's father shared a little bit last week, so you may be familiar with the story, you might not, but Thomas is here uh, from Oregon, and we asked him if he'd just share a little bit, so thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah, thanks for all the prayers and support over the time I was in Oregon. So, yeah, I'm already leaving back to Oregon tonight, so quick trip to Minnesota. So it's just been amazing to learn more about YWAM and everything it has to offer. Like, I have to admit, when I first got there and I went into the dorm room, my parents can know this, I did not, I was like, okay, I don't want to be here, I want to go back to Minnesota. But I'd say within that night, like, we did, like, a fun target run, so we had a lot of fun. But I'd say within the first two days, I really just met very nice people. Like, we all knew each other. We all were comfortable with each other. And, and, yeah, we have people from all over the country. We have two international people. I'm the only Minnesotan, so you can see how that can go with how I say certain words. But, <laughs> yeah, so it's just been, like, God's moved in so many different ways. Like, especially, like, how he, for outreach. Like, I had clear signs of, like, okay, this is where he wants me to go between the two options. And then, just also, like, I've done a cool, like, evangelism on the streets and just, like, been talking with people. And then, yeah, like, another cool moment that I saw, we had a giving night where you can just give towards students who are in financial need because this is not free. It's, and so um, we saw over $10,000 raised just in that one night with, like, 27 of us. So we had, we had students go from owing thousands of dollars to less than $1,000 they have to owe, like, they had to have it paid within the next, like, week, so that was a cool way to see God move with, like, money, and 
So next week, I'm leaving for outreach. I'm going to the Middle East. That's all I can say, just Middle East. So I leave for that. So I'll be, be there for a couple months. And yeah, it's just cool how God can move while I'm so far away from home. And like, I have been homesick, but it's just like, I, feel, I don't know, it's just like a different environment out there. It's just good to meet new people out there and just seeing God provide in multiple ways, whether it's through just like prayers or just nice text messages, care packages with like fun food. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just very grateful for all the support I've had out in Oregon. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. I want to pray for Thomas. Lord, we thank you for Thomas. We thank you for the call that you've placed on his life. We thank you for his obedience to that call. And we ask God that as now he travels uh, across uh, the world, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would be already at work beginning to plant. And I pray, God, that you would give him confidence. You give him um, the words when he needs to speak. Give him um, the knowledge uh, of, your, of the gospel to share and a, 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 just an ability to know when to speak and when to listen and just protect him. We ask for protection. I pray for uh, his parents too, God, just sending their son across the sea uh, can be nerve-wracking, so I pray for a peace that goes beyond understanding. So bless them, and I pray, God, that um, they would see the good works that you've already prepared in advance for them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank Thanks, you buddy. Much. You know, all of our college students just want to say whether God sends you to the Middle East or he sends you to Arden Hills or Duluth or California, wherever you're at, um, there's, there's, there's something for you. God's put you there. And uh, the work is as meaningful and powerful um, that you can do in the Middle East as you can do um, here or anywhere in the United States. So we're proud of you guys. We're praying for you. And uh, it's good to see you all. Let me just, uh, let's pause, let's pray just to ready our hearts for the message. Lord, we again come to you in prayer and ask Holy Spirit that you would quiet our minds, um, ready our hearts for your word, that it would not return empty. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy, I hope you all had a, a, a happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know who I'm thankful for? Just as I was thinking about it this morning. I'm thankful for the high schoolers that work at Dairy Queen. Um, <laughs> I went there, I went there last night because it was like, you know, I'd ruined my health already by then. <laughs> so like, what's one more sort of moment of sugary bliss. So went there and, uh, and, and I ordered a, a, a blizzard and, and then I ordered some for my wife too. And, and then, you know, when they hand you the blizzard, they like, like show you, I mean, what does that mean? By the way, like when they, when they go upside down, I don't really, what is it? Oh, it's thick enough. Fine. Great. But when he handed me this, that makes sense. He handed it to me, there was so much candy on this thing. Like, he probably saw my eyes get huge. <laughs> because sometimes you go and you get a blizzard, and they just don't put enough stuff in it. And it's so disappointing for that $9 small blizzard. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So it's just like this high school guy just poured blessing into my life last night. <laughs> Every bite had equal amounts of candy. It was just beautiful. But um, I'm thankful for all those high schoolers at Dairy Queen. By the way, if I was to start a business in Delano, I'd open another Dairy Queen. I go there at 8.45 last night. I'm thinking I'm just going to roll through and be back home on my couch eating it. Line. 
Line, always a line, doesn't matter. So there's a business opportunity idea for you. But we quickly move from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And this year, the Christmas series uh, that we're going to be in the next month or so, we've titled The Things He Has Done. The story of Christmas, of Jesus' birth, is really a story of fulfillment. Um, We're on the other side of that fulfillment, but it's important for us to recognize that there's a lot of people, generations, that were on in the waiting of this fulfillment, and they waited. There was these promises that a Messiah would come, and Jesus ultimately, the story of Jesus' birth is the story of that fulfillment, that prophecy being fulfilled, that the promises of God, like he doesn't forget, and he doesn't give up, and he doesn't change his mind. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, the Christmas story, and what are these things that have been fulfilled? And there's surprises along the way. But we're going to see the story of people who waited and prayed for years to see this fulfillment. We're going to see the stories of just people who um, you wouldn't have thought were invited to, to be a part of it. You know, people who never would have guessed that they would have been a part of this fulfillment. And really look at what does it mean that we're living in a time of fulfillment? Because you and I are, we are living in a time of fulfillment. Jesus has come. He's been given to us. That's what Christmas is, the gift of of Christ. And the work that he's accomplished and done is a gift for all of us. So each week, we'll look at what's promised, what had been promised, and what was filled or delivered. Um, And we'll see some some surprises along the way. And we're going to, this year, we're going to look at this through the lens of the Gospel of Luke. And every gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, they, they touch on Jesus' birth. Luke is interesting. He's a physician. Luke was a doctor. Um, he was sort of second generation, so he was not an apostle, but he, he, he was a, a, a doctor. And if you think about how a doctor thinks, they're meticulous. I'm guessing Luke was a little type A, um, wise, smart, intellectual, like, Um, He probably wrestled through a lot of, like, the intellectual questions that were already coming up amongst the second century church because he was dealing with the first group of people who were not eyewitnesses to Jesus. And so Luke does a lot in the beginning that other gospel writers don't. He tells some stories that we don't get in other gospels. Um, And uh, at the end of the day, what we see as a doctor and what we will see in the beginning of this text is he he recognizes that he's responsible for telling the truth and doing his due diligence to make sure that it's authentic, it's real, it really happened um, the way that he's writing that it happens. So we're going to look at just this introduction to the book of Luke. Luke 1, verse 1. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
If you remember how John opens his, his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here, Luke is sort of borrowing some of that, saying, like, at the end of the day, we're talking about the eyewitnesses and the servants of the word Christ, Jesus Christ. That there's been a number of accounts that have been written, and, and the, the assumption is most, all, didn't survive we're left with these four Gospels, but Luke is saying, look, I want to make sure that this is preserved. He goes on to say, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. He's saying, look, I, I want to make sure, I'm not going to make this up. This isn't a tale, this isn't a fable. Like, I have thoroughly investigated I've, it's likely that at this time, you know, we're talking about maybe some eyewitnesses still alive, but, but like I, people in, that were in relationship with eyewitnesses. Luke is saying, look, I have thoroughly investigated the story of Jesus Christ. From the very beginning, I too then decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis. Let me just pause there. Theopolis, um, there's a, you know, I was looking through a number of commentaries and it's like, everybody has an idea of who Theopolis was. He, some go, he for sure was a right, like uh, a real person. Some think that because Theopolis was a, a popular name, like Andrew for us, a lot of people named Theopolis, that maybe he's, he's sort of lumping it all in to say, this is, this is being written for the people of God. Some go, because he calls him most excellent Theopolis, he's probably a Roman convert. Might be a man of high stature. But at the end of the day, um, it's to the people of God. I personally, if you care, I think Theopolis was a real person. My guess is he was um, a convert. Um, whether he was Roman or, or Gentile or Jewish, I don't, I don't know, but... Um, I'm guessing he was a real person. Um, and my, my, my guess would be that Luke's part, in part writing for people like Theopolis. Like, my guess is that he converted, but he's still like swirling with all these questions, which is like all of us. He goes, I, I too decided to write this so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So Theopolis has been taught. He's heard things. But the, but the assumption is there's just questions, there's maybe doubt, there's some uncertainty. And Luke is saying, in part, what I want to do is I want to write this. Look, I've carefully investigated this. This stuff is real. I want you to know with certainty, not just in your mind, but in your heart, that this story is, it not only happened, but it has the power to completely transform people's lives. And so this is where Luke starts. By the way, Luke wrote Acts too, and you should really read both. He's interested in not just the story of Jesus, but the, but the early church. Again, written to Theopolis. But this morning as we begin this story, this Christmas story, I want to look at perspective. You know, as I was thinking about it, like Luke mentions the eyewitnesses and, you know, what would it have been like to be an eyewitness to this stuff? Like I think about it and I go, Man, like if I would have been there during a miracle, how amazing that would have been. Like I, don't need, I wouldn't have any doubt if I saw Jesus heal, if I heard Jesus preach. 
If I saw the scars in his wrists and his, his feet. Now, it no doubt was a powerful, life-changing, unbelievable experience to see and hear Jesus. To be with him, to be eyewitness to the, the gospel stories. And I wonder, you know, as generations pass, here we are, 2,000 plus generations, halfway, you know, we're on the other side of the world. You know, it's like when someone tells us a story, a personal story, and it's impacted them, the story is never going to have the power to impact us the same way it impacted the person who was living it and experiencing it. We all have had these moments. In fact, I had one, I was driving home last Friday night um, from the parenting conference with Mark Gregston, you know, 9.30 or so, 10 o'clock, leaving Woodridge, lock up Woodridge, driving home. Uh, I'm on 24. I turn out of the church on, on, on 24, and it's like the deer superhighway. I think Brian hit a deer on 24, um, right? He did. So I'm driving out, and I'm I don't know, just, just pulled out, but I, I get up to speed, you know, uh, 55 miles per hour because I never speed. Um, and uh, I, I'm on the phone with my wife. Now, this is, this is safe, okay? I'm not like this. It's like in the speaker's deal. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's legal, so just don't. I wasn't breaking the law, all right? I'm 55 miles an hour, and I'm on hands-free. So I'm talking to my wife, and she's like, so how, how'd it go? And I'm like, yeah, no, it was great, da, da, da. And all of a sudden, this big old buck just strolls out in front of the car. And I yell, I think I yelled, shnikes, you know, sorry. <laughs> it, if that's a swear word to you, I'm sorry, but that's like the closest I can get as a pastor and a Christian. Um, I love Tommy Boy, I mean, come on. He, like, taught Christians how to, you know, swear appropriately. <laughs> I think I yelled shnikes. I can't remember. But, um, you know, this deer is right there. And it, it was, the deer is just, you know. You can sit in a deer stand for five days and not see anything. And then you drive home and there's a big buck. So, anyways, this deer just like this. And it, I, I'm, I didn't have enough time to slam on the brakes or anything. But I go by the deer, and it was one of these things where, like, if I looked out my window, like, his white tail rear end was, like, right there. Like, I almost clipped him. I go, oh, you know, I'm just the adrenaline, the heart, like, everything. I thought, you know, my life flashed before, my eyes. It's like, um, and, you know, I, and I, and he yelled, like, he's a big buck, oh, like that. And I'm thinking, like, my wife's going to go, oh, what happened? Like, are you okay? She goes, so how many people were there tonight? I said, excuse me? Like, did you not just hear what I said? Like, I almost hit a deer. I almost hit a buck. You know, like, car damaged me, dead. Like, who cares how many people were there at this point? She goes, oh, well, I figured it was just in the ditch, you know, just looking at you, like that sort of. I was like, I don't know, maybe 100 people or something? Like, obviously that's more important to you. But, but it was one of these moments. We all have had these moments where, like, the our experience like we have this, this experience, whatever it may be, 
But it's, it, like, it's, it hits us, it's personal, it's powerful, it's real. And then we try to convey it to another person. And I don't know if you've ever been there. You're telling the story and you're just, you expect to see that person be like, oh, like get emotional and like feel the same things you felt. And the person's just like, wow, like that's, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> and it like doesn't meet the, like, the requirement in your head. No, like, no, you need to care. You need to cry. Like, you need to laugh. Like, this is real. This is, this is, how does that not impact you? You know that sort of thing? And I wonder, with like the story of Jesus, and I wonder with the story of Christmas, we lose perspective because we, like, we, we, we're so far out of it. Like, we're, that, that, you know, it's just this story we've heard but because we didn't live it, that we can't, like, we can't experience it the same way or it can't impact us the same way. You know, first century Christians, they lived, they saw, they breathed, experienced Jesus. There's no way we could be impacted the same way, right? Because we're so far out. I think what happens is we lose some perspective. We lose sometimes like the ability or we don't choose to sort of really step in and try to understand that person's perspective. Like when was the last time, like college students who are here, you girls, have you ever really sat down and thought about what it would be like if, G if God came to you and said, I'm going to impregnate you Good luck telling that story. Like, have you ever really put your, tried to put yourself in Mary's shoes, a young teenage girl? And the implications of the day are, look, you can be stoned for that. And then, I mean, young men, have you ever put yourself, because Joseph, young guy, have you ever put, tried to put yourself in his shoes and tried to understand his perspective? Here, you, the, you know, the woman you love, the woman that you're going to marry comes to you and goes, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Look, people were, it wasn't like they were like, oh, yeah, no, that can happen in other ways. People didn't think that. Like, today you go, yeah, no, that ain't happening. Like, you obviously were with someone else. The same is true of people back then. God wasn't going around immaculately getting people pregnant. Never happened before. Imagine, I mean, Joseph, the woman you love comes and tells you, that. look, I promise, like, God did it. Have you ever just sat with that? Like, what the, the betrayal must have felt like? The pain? You know, we just, we just sort of run through the Christmas story. Like, it's just part of Christmas. It's part of all the other things that we've made Christmas to be. The eggnog, the lights, the music the presence, Santa. And the sad thing is, I think, like the farther we get out from, from this story, the more we have to be intentional with sitting in it, like putting ourselves in it and trying to get perspective. Because when you get the, like, when you, when you get the right perspective, it is utterly amazing, the Christmas story. It is what we are celebrating this season. And Luke is like, I want you to understand that this really happened. And it has the power 
if you let it, to change your life. The first generation of the Christian church was that of the apostles. It was people who were eyewitness. It comprised of people who had been with Jesus personally. They did not need a written account of Christ because they lived it. They didn't need a book to tell them. They had memories. They had experiences. It filled their hearts with him because they saw, smelled, heard, were with Jesus, all of Jesus. They lived the story of Jesus. But the next generation, which includes Luke and Theopolis, and the many generations after, were in a far different position. Luke says, look, in a sense... The words and deeds of Jesus were accomplished among us. Meaning this was a story of their time, but they weren't eyewitnesses to it. So the facts, the story of Jesus had to be delivered to the men and women of the second generation because they were not eyewitnesses. They were hearing it second hand. And this would become, the, like, the earliest Christians recognized how important this was to get this story down, to, to tell it. In fact, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, Mark is said to have written down what the Apostle Peter used to tell of the, story, the Jesus story. Peter had it, like, he's like, the Jesus story. Like, it's the evangelistic story, it's the Gospel, like, Peter already recognized the importance of being able to tell the story of Jesus. And Luke is claiming to do the same thing. He tells us that many writers set about this task. But sadly, little of their work had survived. But the four Gospels have, have, have withstood the test of time. But what's important to Luke right away in this book is to say, look, this is a story. It is not a tale. This is a story of something that really happened. But it is a story unlike anything else. It is not just mere history, like something we read in a history book. Because it does something to the people to whom it is proclaimed. In fact, those who had witnessed the, the original events, the eyewitnesses, recognized something that when they told this story, when they preached it, it changed men and women's lives. It was like no other story ever being told. It had the power to change and transform people's lives. And those who, like Luke, wrote it up, recognized that it was important to get this down on paper because it, it, it could have that effect that power could work in people like Theopolis and the thousands of generations, including us, after Theopolis. This had the power to change the lives of men and women. I think it's amazing that, you know, Luke is just, he's saying to Theopolis, look, I want you to know that you can know with certainty. You can know with certainty that Jesus is real, that this happened. 
that this fulfillment happened. And we are beneficiaries of this fulfillment. In fact, Luke places the word certainty emphatically at the end of a long sentence. I have written all this, Theopolis, so that you may be sure. Like, completely sure. Complete confidence. Like, we're talking about standing on solid ground. Real truth. Life-changing truth. You know, like many men and women of that day, uh, Theopolis likely grew up in in a pagan religion. And like many women in, in our time, we don't call it pagan religion, but like consumerism, the worship of consumerism is a pagan religion. The worship of like beauty, pagan religion. Like we don't call it like that, but anything that we worship that is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is pagan worship. It doesn't matter if it's a person, a religion, or a thing. And Theopolis likely grew up in a pagan society, and he's re- he realized at some point that the, the things that were being taught to him were not, it was rocky ground. It was not fulfilling in a real way. Just like the worship of vanity, the worship of, of, of looks, the worship of celebrity, the worship of stuff, the worship of money, the worship of, cons- of consumption is never enough. It's never fulfilling. It does not provide a solid foundation. And Luke is saying to Theopolis, this new convert, look, I have something that can give you this solid foundation. My gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, what I have written, will offer you certainty. It's solid. It's strong. It's bedrock. It's unbreakable. It's a firm, solid foundation. It doesn't like give and then take away. It's constant. It's not like you know, and I struggle with this. Like you get something and, and it makes you feel good for a moment. But over time, what happens? It stops giving. It stops being able to produce that feeling. The new car is great, but give it time. And the new car can't give you what it once gave you. And Luke is saying the gospel, it keeps giving. It never will let you down. Jesus never gives and takes away. In fact, the word that he used for certainty, the Greek word there is aphelia, asphelia, which meant, uh, which is translated as infallibility. The infallibility of scripture, which has now been fought over for centuries, is, is this really, truly the word of God or is it just inspired? Luke doesn't even make, like, <laughs> Luke doesn't even, um, apologize for using that word. He said, look, this is infallible. Like, he, he, this is the word. This really happened. This is real. It's true. He is unabashful, unapologetic, saying that this is infallible. You can believe it. Read what I have written, in essence, what he's saying, and you will see the facts on which Christianity is based, and you will find there's something firm and solid and absolutely trustworthy, a sure foundation for your faith and for your life. 
And that no, the, word, the English word no, no for certainty, that English word um, is a special word too. It means a deep, thorough knowledge, which in essence means not just knowledge in your head, but in your heart. This message, the Christmas story, the, the, the gospel, the life of Jesus Christ is a story that will work from your head into your heart and has the, a power to be able to change your heart and your head so that it becomes an actual part of your life, like the fiber of who you are is utterly transformed by Jesus Christ. Such knowledge, such power can be yours, says Luke. Now how? How do I get it? Is it some mystical experience? Is it some, you know, deep study in philosophy? Is it, is it about, you know, reading enough commentaries that, that I get smart enough that it moves from my head and into my heart? Like, what is it? Is it some sort of crazy confer- conversion moment? And at the end of the day, it's no. It's none of that. But if you're willing to read and meditate on the plain facts of the story of Jesus, in the, in the word of God that has been given to us, set here in the gospel, if you're willing to read it, learn it, live by it, believe it, like, look, you're going to read this, and all these other stories are being thrown at you. All these other interpretations, all these other lies. The world is telling. And at the end of the day, you've got to make a choice. Is it, do I believe this is what it says it is? Do I believe that it is the word of God? And if you, like, you'll never experience the power of the word. You'll never experience the power of Jesus Christ unless, you, unless you're fully submitted to him. And Luke is just saying, look, Theophilus, you can fully submit I've done the research, I've looked, I've talked, I've experienced it, I've talked to people who have experienced, like this is real, this is true. And if you're willing to, by faith, believe in it, and if you're willing to just read this story, let the God, let God do the work. But get in it, read it. Like do the work of, of like putting yourself in the story, understanding the perspectives, like meditating, studying it. And if you're willing to do that, not just like here, sign up for a Bible email that you get a couple verses every day, or you get a notification in the Bible app to read your thing. I mean, I'm not saying that stuff's bad, but if it becomes like it can for me, part of the to-do list, and I get my Bible reading in for the, done, the, you know, for the part of the day, I'm never going to allow God to really work unless I'm willing to give it time. I mean, think about all that you give time to. And I think what Luke is saying, like, I wrote this down, so, man, if you're willing to give time to it, 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 it will change your life. These, these simple facts about this man who God sent, who loves us, he, he's just crazy in love with you. So much that he gave up his life for you. And God's crazy in love with you that he gave this promise that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix this sin thing by sending my son and allowing him to die the death you should have died. Like, that's how much I love you. I'm willing to sacrifice my son. I'm sorry, but my son, I probably wouldn't let die for any of you. I, I don't know. I don't think I, 
like as a father, I just don't think I could. I mean, that's, take that perspective for a moment. If you're a parent, would you give up your life of your child for anyone? The father did. Sit with that for a, a month every day. And if that, I mean, it'll change your heart. That's what this story has the power to do. And this Christmas, look, you're going you're to, we're all being fed the story. I, I don't know about you, but on, on, uh, on Black Friday, I wake up and I open my email. And I had 50 emails from every single vendor that I had ever signed up for. Target's Black Friday sale, Best Buy's, you know, everything. And then Saturday I wake up and it's like, small business Saturday. What? And then tomorrow is Cyber Monday. What, what's today? Take a, you know, go get another credit card day so you can buy more tomorrow? I mean, like, this, the, the, I, I hate to say it, but the, the story of Christmas is a story of stuff. And experiences and feelings. That's what we're being fed. And look, I love Christmas. Favorite holiday. I love all of it. I love the Christmas music. I love the lights. I love giving gifts. I, look, I even like getting a gift every once in a while. <laughs> I love it all. And I'm not standing up here to say you're bad. No, I, look, no, you're not. But have, if we forget truly what, what we're celebrating when we say we're celebrating the birth of Christ, then we've, we've succumbed to a different story. And I hate to say it, but that story can't, it cannot fulfill you. It can't. It's insatiable. It'll just ask and ask for more and more and more. Marketers are really good at their job. They're really good. Luke isn't saying I'm marketing a product. I'm telling, I'm telling the truth. And I want you to know about Christ. And he can change your life. The story of Jesus it changes lives. And that's the story that we celebrate, the beginning of this story of Jesus when we celebrate Christmas. So what if I worked this Christmas to make sure that I, I had the right perspective? Enjoy the lights. Enjoy the, 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 the presence, the music, all of what Christmas offers. But don't lose perspective of what Christmas really means. It's far better. And honestly, I think it makes the lights better. It makes the music better. It makes everything better when Jesus is rightfully put in the position that he deserves. And that's first. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. What an incredible story. <clears throat> and uh, God, we're thankful for this time of year. It's a great time of year. Um, but Lord, uh, set our, our eyes our minds and our hearts on you, Jesus. We can get and give a lot of gifts. And it's fun. And it's exciting. But nothing compares to the gift of you, Jesus. And I'm guessing there's people here today watching online, here in person, they've never received that gift. And I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make it clear to them in a real, meaningful way that it's for them. Jesus, you're for them. You love them. You're crazy about them. And just remind us, God, 
of just your love for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And help us to keep the right perspective in a world that's always trying to reshape it. In Jesus' name, amen.